Death toll in BC surpasses 10,000 from toxic drugs. CBSA sued for inhumane detentions. New standards in long term care are not mandatory. And a mass shooting in California shines light on deplorable conditions for migrant workers. Good morning. It's Wednesday, February 1st. I'm Nora, coming to you from Montreal. And here are your headlines. We start this morning in British Columbia, where a new report has placed the number of people who have died from toxic drugs to over 10,000. The numbers are climbing consistently, too, with the first six months of 2022 seeing the highest overdose rates than any other year. From January 1st to June 30th, at least 1,095 people died from overdose. This, of course, is an underestimate, reports CTV's Kendra Mangione. Who writes that this number it will likely rise as more death investigations finish up? The culprit in most deaths is fentanyl, which was found in 83% of overdose investigations. Compare that to 10 years ago, where fentanyl was found in just 5% of overdose death investigations. The deaths were highest in Vancouver, Surrey, and Victoria, but when adjusted for deaths by 100,000 people, the Northern Health region has the highest rate of deaths. Most of the people who have died were men between the ages of 30 and 59. One third of the deaths were among people who were older than 50. Now to a CDC investigation by Brigitte Bureau. She's written a deeply moving and frankly infuriating investigative report into how Canada Border Services incarcerates individuals who are waiting for refugee and immigration processes. She centers the feature around Abdurrahman Warsama. A man who was locked up for five years and seven months in maximum security prisons. He tells Bureau, CBSA, quote, I believe they killed me. They tortured me. The time they take from me, it's not coming back. Warsama spent time in various facilities, including the notorious jail in Lindsay, Ontario. Deaths have been common at this facility. In November, a coroner's inquiry examined five drug related deaths in less than a year. It's also the location of the death of Soliman Fakiri, who died in 2017 after having sustained more than 50 injuries at the hands of multiple guards. His family is still demanding answers for what happened. Orsama experienced violence inside the prison, which was a foreign space to him where he didn't know how to act or interact with other inmates. He has permanent injuries for being beaten. He was often locked into his cell 199 times of lockdown for one year of incarceration. He was eventually released in 2015. A federal court ruled that he'd been effectively locked up over, quote, a piece of paper. Bureau characterized that report as scathing. Or Sam as suing CBSA for how he was treated. The issue stemmed from the fact that no Canadian airline would fly him back to Somalia after he was ordered to leave Canada, and no border officer would go with him because Somalia was deemed to be too dangerous. The one African airline that was willing to fly him back required Warsama to consent to being returned to the country, something that he refused. Imagine an airline actually requiring the consent of someone to fly them somewhere. 
Warsama had fled Somalia because he feared for his life. He had already been imprisoned and tortured because they suspected that he was a member of a rebel group. His mother and his sister stayed back. Warsama heard that Al-Shabaab likely murdered them sometime in 2012. This report is really critical reading. Bureau talks to another black man who is also locked up by CDSA. She interviews lawyers who argue that part of the reason for why they're treated so terribly is because of how precarious their status is in Canada. Canada has no legal limit to immigration or refugee-related detention. Now to national news. Canada has unveiled new standards into long-term care. While the pandemic has unveiled many, many things that are broken, it's hard to think of a system that is more broken and abusive than long-term care. These changes have been long anticipated as they are both necessary to keep people safe and well cared for and to protect residents from everything from infection and viruses to violence and malnutrition. Karen Howlett at the Globe and Mail reports, quote, the standards are intended to be used by policymakers and leaders in nursing homes to set the bar higher for quality and safe care by promoting good governance, fostering a healthy and competent workforce and upholding resident-centered care. Residents, for example, should be free from neglect, protected from abuse, have their privacy protected, and their lifestyle choices respected, including living with risk, unquote. The standards aren't going to be mandatory, meaning there will not be an expectation that facilities must heed them. This will make the standards effectively useless by allowing facilities to decide for themselves if they choose to adhere to the new standards or not. So, for example, Howlett reports that in BC, Quebec, and Alberta, facilities must be accredited, but in Ontario, this remains optional. Canada had the highest rates of nursing home deaths related to COVID of all wealthy nations. The research that I was part of suggested that this number was so high because Canada wasn't systematically counting deaths outside of nursing facilities. It became a percentage of, and of course, the overall percentage was likely way lower than it should have been. We'll probably never know what the truth was thanks to a patchwork of data collection systems that didn't capture the full context of death within long-term care facilities. These new standards include what The Globe is calling, in another article, fair pay and benefits and appropriate staff levels for workers, aligning infection prevention and control in the homes with the kinds of measures used in hospitals. They also report that the new standards will allow patients to decide if they want to take more risks, like foregoing restraints, even if that increases the risk of falling, or allowing visitors when the facility is in outbreak. The standards do not indicate how much care per day a resident should receive or how many of a facility's employees should be full-time workers, both which are widely accepted as measures of quality within these facilities. And finally, to California, where the Half Moon Bay shooting has, quote, brought renewed attention to the hardships faced by agricultural workers in the state of California, stretched thin by low wages and the high cost of living. I'm not sure if you had heard, I hadn't heard because of how close mass shootings were together, but the mass shooting in Northern California that happened right after the one in Los Angeles happened by and among migrant workers. What I just read to you is from an article written by Brian Osgood from Al Jazeera. He details how Chun-Li Zhao opened fire at two mushroom farms where he had worked, killing seven people. The killings prompted the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, to visit the conditions where migrant farm workers were living. What he saw deeply troubled him, and his office announced that they would be opening investigations into both of Shun Li's former work sites. Newsom called the living conditions of the migrant workers deplorable.
Hyunmi Kim, someone who Osgood says, quote, has worked on housing issues in the area around Half Moon Bay, said, quote, sometimes three to four different households will have to share a single trailer with no clean water, no proper heating. Some farm workers sleep in their cars. This is not new, so no one can act surprised. The victims of the shooting were between the ages of 43 and 74. The industry in California sells more than $50 billion in produce in 2021 alone, but only pays a median wage of $14.30 per hour. Many migrant workers have precarious status. Nearly 50% of California's farm workers are undocumented, placing them in an extremely precarious situation if they try to speak out about their rights. Those are your headlines for this morning. It is February. Already! It's already February. Wednesday, February 1st, pay your rent day. I'm Nora. Have a good one.